Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. City View Church, it is another, another wonderful Sunday, and it is so nice to have you guys today. I have an announcement that I made last week, and I want to make it again this week and just remind everybody. So I don't know how many of you know this, um, but this is not, our, we don't own this building. This isn't our campus. We, we sublease this building. And now what that means is that means somebody owns it, the school leases it, and we sublease from the school. So we only have this campus on Sunday morning, on Sundays all day, Wednesday nights, starting from like 5 till 9 or 10, I think, and then Thursday, we just added Thursday nights. Now, just to give you an understanding, just for us to be able to add one more night so that we could do things, that cost us an extra $1,500 a month to add one more night to be able to do a little more on a campus that we're already here. And, and so with those things, there, there has been just some, I don't know, interesting conversations that we've had with the school. Um, some pushback, some more, I don't know. It's just, we're, we're, it, we, we're not getting kicked out or anything, and we haven't done anything bad. Um, it's just they've asked us to do more things of making it let, look less like a church. So every Sunday, as soon as service is done, we have to turn that sign down that sort of tells you where we're, what this place is. Um, the worship team has to tear all this down. Um, our city kids have to take down anything that says Jesus loves you, this you know. Um, anything like that. All of that has to get torn down. And then on Sunday morning, the teams have to get here extra early and set it back up. Um, and so with those things being said, we are going to have to move our service times so that our teams, the worship team, city kids, the usher team, all those teams have to set up signs and we have to hide them now even more so so that nobody knows this is a church, um, even though it's got Bibles everywhere in the foundation and God's word is solid here, but it's okay. But we want to honor, because we're just a sublease, um, we, we want to honor them. And so in that, we want to, I want to honor my teams, because I appreciate the worship team. You know, they get here every morning at 7 o'clock in the morning. Um, and then our City Kids team, they start showing up, I think, sometime, sometime around 7.30-ish, something like that, to start setting things up. So I want to help them. And so we're moving our service time starting August 22nd. Everybody say with me, August 22nd. We are moving the, this service to 9.30. So your service time will start at 9.30 in the morning, starting when? And what time does first service start? Now, if sometimes you go to second or first, like you're like, you know, I just sort of, if I wake up early, I'm here. If my kids are up early, I'm here. If I feel like I have something busier to go on later in the day, I just make church a convenience. Um, and that's sort of what you do. Our second service is going to move from 1045 to 1115. I think I have a slide. Be Wasn't I supposed to have a slide behind me today? I don't know. Um, so our 1045 service is going to be moving to 1115, starting when? What time will second service be? Okay, so just remember those things starting August 22nd. This service will be starting at 9.30. We're not going to, it's not going to be August the weekend before. August 22nd is when that will change. Okay, so just wanted to give you a heads up. And then also um, just want to say happy August. Can you believe it's August? Man, 
this year is just blowing by, but it is good. It is good. So um, as we continue our series in the book of Mark, which I'm loving, I'm loving setting Mark. I'm loving preaching it this way. I've preached through Mark. I don't know how, I've looked through my Bible at all the different notes I have, and preachers, it used to be where you keep them in paper form. I, I don't have to do that anymore. Now mine are all on my Dropbox, and I have folders, and I have years of times where I've taught through Mark, whether it was when I was a youth pastor or different times where I've taught through it. And this is the first time where I've taught through it a totally different way, where we'll still get through the end, but we're looking at it. It's these pictures of what Jesus is doing. And this Sunday, we're looking at, we're starting the series called this, this No Ordinary Love. And I ask, I have a question for you. How far does your love go? I want you to watch this video behind me. Tom Hammond and Craig Massback back at Olympic Stadium in Barcelona, coming up to the men's 400-meter semifinals. Here are the lane assignments. Steve Lewis in lane three. Top four to Wednesday's final. Steve Lewis in lane three. Roberto Hernandez out quickly in four. Now down the back stretch. Ismael on the left of the screen is running very, very quickly. And inside of Lewis, Sunday Bada of Nigeria. And Derek Redmond of Great Britain has pulled up with an injury. Redmond is out. Derek Redmond, the British record holder and an important member of that British 4 by 400 meter relay team as he doesn't want anybody to help him. It'll be Lewis to win in 44.50. Look at this. He's going to try to finish his semifinal race. The British have a certain tradition of running which you have to respect a bizarre finish to this first semi-final in the men's 400 meters Derek Redmond of Great Britain pulled up with an injury halfway down the back stretch he's fighting off those trying to help him to finish the race in his lane and now the pain too much. throughout Olympic Stadium as Redmond with assistance this time approaches the finish line he had wanted so desperately to reach. That is the Olympic spirit. Is your love willing to take a risk? Is it willing to come alongside when it's not convenient and not wanted? Is your love willing to go above and beyond what might be expected? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. 
And God, I thank you that your love does that. Father, I thank you so much that, that your love went above and beyond, but exactly what we need. And Heavenly Father, I don't know where we're all at this morning with different things and different struggles and different worries, different concerns, different weights, whatever it might be. But Lord, I ask that you would meet us in a special way right now in this room. And Jesus, I ask that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, and Jesus, that you would speak to our hearts whatever we might need to hear. Lord, I ask that you'd speak to your people at churches all over the valley, Lord. I pray for my friend Jackie over at Cross Church. Speak through him, Lord. Um, I pray for uh, my friend Cody over at the table. Speak through him. Lord, I pray for um, Ray over at uh, Desert Breeze, Mark over at Calvary Community. And Lord, I ask that you'd speak to us at City View. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So we are starting this mark looking at this no ordinary love, this, this love of, of Jesus, this love of people, this love that we are to have for Jesus. And, and my big takeaway that I have for each and every one of us is love looks past obstacles and it sees the opportunity. That's what love does. Love it. It looks past obstacles because how, do you, how, how many obstacles do you think were in that dad's way? I'll bet you anything security guards were trying to stop him. You saw the different officials trying to tell him to get off, and you saw the dad like, get out of my way. He was about to throw punches. I mean, that dad was like, there, there, nothing was going to stop that dad. Can we get these outside lights turned on? It's like super dark in here today. Um, and, and I just love that. So love, it, it, it looks past the obstacles, and it sees the opportunity. And that's what love does. And, and today we're going to be looking at the book of Mark. And we're going to be looking at these four friends that, that, that really love their friend. And, and we're going to see what they did and how they went out of their way, how they went past the obstacles. And they saw the opportunity of bringing their friend to Jesus. If you would turn with me to Mark chapter 2, verse 1, that's where the story begins. In Mark chapter 2, verse 1, Jesus has been super busy. He's been going from one thing to another to another. And all of a sudden, now we are at this moment. And, and let's read, and then I'll, I'll get, I want to share with you. It says, so it says, when he had come back to Capernaum, several days after it was heard that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door, and he was speaking the word to them. So I, I want us to sort of enter into this room. Have you ever been to a party that it's wall-to-wall -wall people, and it's just hyped? People are excited. People are loving to be there. There's no room, but nothing has happened yet. Everybody knows something's about to happen, and they just don't know what. And so that's this room. There's, there's this room full of people. There, it's a house, actually, and it's full of people, and Jesus starts to talk. You know, and, and Jesus, he's there, and he, it says he's preaching the word. He's sharing with them about the kingdom of God, that there's peace to be had, that there's salvation, that there's a life change that can be had that's offered to each and every one of them. And Jesus is preaching to this, this packed room as they listen to every word. 
And so, so you gotta, you got a picture now. You've got these different groups of people. You've got one group of people that are there. They're hearing from Jesus. They love Jesus. They want everything to do with Jesus. They know that Jesus can change their life. That's one group of people. They're, they're standing there. They're looking. They're leaning in. And then there's the people that want Jesus to do something for them. They're like, we're here, Jesus, because we want you to heal us. We want you to fix us. We want you to give to us. We want you to provide for us. We want you to do something. So you have, you have that group of people, too. You have this other group. And then you have the super religious. You have the group of people that's just trying to catch Jesus in something. You have all these people. And if you can picture this room, it's full of tension. Because the first two groups, they know about the third group. And the group that loves Jesus, they know there's some in them that just want something for themselves. And then you know you, the religious know that there's people that are falling into the lies of believing that Jesus actually is somebody. So there's this tension in this room, and everybody feels it. Everybody is leaning in. Everybody is looking for something. Everybody knows Jesus is about to do something crazy. And so that, that's what's going on right now. You have this tension going on. Then we come to verse 3 and it says, And as they came bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men, being unable to get to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. So now we meet these four friends. So I, I want you to now enter in these four friends. And they go and, and they, they, they know Jesus is, is somebody that's not this ordinary man. They know he's, he's doing something crazy. And they want to get their friend to meet Jesus. They think if we can just get our friend to be in front of Jesus, that maybe Jesus might do something crazy for him. They, they just think that. And, and my question to you is, how far does your love go in sharing Jesus with your friend? How far does that go? What, what obstacles would keep you from sharing Jesus with a friend or with a loved one or with somebody that you know? Like, what would keep you from doing that? These, these friends wanted to get their friend in front of Jesus. That's what they wanted. Remember, love looks past the obstacles and sees the opportunity. So they walk up, they're carrying their friend, and all of a sudden they come to a wall of people. People are standing, people are leaning into the windows. I don't know if you've seen the Chosen series. Has anybody never heard of the Chosen? Anybody? So everybody's heard of the Chosen series? It's a, if you haven't, you're just too embarrassed to raise your hand, you weirdos. Um, now I can have you come up on stage, which that would be really funny. Um, but it's just a TV. It's a, it's a, you download the app, and it's a series about Jesus um, and his disciples. But they show it. They show this like episode or this thing, this what Jesus story in there. And it just shows how packed the room is. Actually, I think the room would have been way more packed because they didn't show it very packed. It was like 12 people. And then it's like, come on. Nobody could get in. I could push past a group of 12. And so these friends have this obstacle. Now here's the thing about no ordinary love. We're going to look at four things today about no ordinary love. 
The first thing is, extraordinary love is difficult. Extraordinary love is difficult. You see, these four friends loved their friend. They loved him. And they had so many obstacles in their way. First, their friend's a dude. How many guys actually like help? I mean, be real. You don't like to ask for directions. You like to try to figure things out. You usually break things before you fix them. So if something's broken, you break it more, and then you ask for help to get it fixed by somebody who actually knows what they're doing. Am I right? We do that, right? And so this friend, he's been crippled, and all their friends are like, okay, he, they each came up to them like, hey, dude, we'll call him Henry. Henry, you've got to meet Jesus. No, I don't need Jesus. Like, even look at this, this the, in the video. Did he want anybody's help? No. He's like, I'm going to hobble the whole way, no matter if my leg gets torn off from this injury. I don't care. I'm going to hobble. And even when his dad comes up next to him, he wants to push him away, but it got to a point where he realized, I can't do it alone. And I was thinking about these four friends who probably continued to say, dude, we want you to meet Jesus. We want you to meet Jesus. We want you to meet Jesus. I wondered, do I have friends like that? Do I have people in my circle that will take me to the feet of Jesus when I need it? Or do I have friends that take me to a place of division, of nastiness, and sickness? They're always negative. You know those friends that are just always negative? They're always taking you to a path, always taking you to a place where it's talking about the negative? I know some of you have friends like that, because I know your friends. And I'm like, Ew, get away. And you're wondering, why don't you hang out with us anymore? I go, because I don't like your friends. Because I don't want to be around. You all know. And I wonder, I was thinking about this. I just, so here's my notes. So if there's a box ever on my notes, that means I thought of that at some point this morning. So that was right here before I came up. And I thought, God, who are my friends like that? No, I, I know I have friends like that. I know I do. I mean, I call my brother at any moment. I know Jared, Mark, Tony, Brandon. I got friends that, one, if, if I'm being stupid, I know they'll say, you're being stupid. Jeremiah, get your life in line. They'll take me to the feet of Jesus, whether it is for healing or for you're being dumb and you need, a, you need to be reconciled. I, I know I have that. But do you have friends like that? If you don't, you may say, how do I get friends like that? Well, I ask you a couple questions. Are you in a city group? Because I know we have city groups that they have friendships that have happened because of that. No, I'm not in a city group. Okay, sign up for one. Are you going to the men's or women's groups? If you're not and you're going, I don't have friends, I ask you, okay, join that. Well, I don't know if I can. Okay. Are you serving? I have a friend in here, I don't, she's in a boot right now, but she was telling me, sharing her story about how she came and she really only knew her sister, and then all of a sudden somebody said, hey, you should serve, and so she started serving in children's ministry because her nephew was having a hard time in, in City Kids, and then all of a sudden she met a youth leader, and through that youth leader she met more friends, and through all of that she met so many more girlfriends, and now she's connected because she chose to serve. And now... She has a group of people that would take her to the feet of Jesus 
at any moment in her life. So I ask you, who's your group? Who's in your circle? And where would they take you if they were carrying you somewhere? Bam! Woo! Okay, so these friends, they had a couple obstacles in front of them. One, you know the guy didn't want help. The second thing, they had a huge crowd in front of them. I mean, how many of us, we get discouraged right away when something doesn't go exactly as we planned? You know their plan was, okay, we're going to carry our friend, we're going to have him on a pallet, and the seas are going to part like the Red Sea, and we're going to be able to take him right to the feet of Jesus because everybody's going to get him out of, out of our way. They're going to see how heavy he is. They're going to see that we need to get him there. They're going to do that for us. That doesn't happen. Nobody moves. Nobody cares because they're all focused on Jesus And sometimes as a church, our backs can be turned to the very ones that need Jesus the most. Which that's sad. We can want everything for ourselves and forget that there's people trying to get in to see Jesus. And we'd be so focused on what we want and what we need. And that was this group. And then they finally get him to stay. And I ask, how far would you go in loving a friend to get them to Jesus? You know, I know so many times, I know we, we've done this where we've wanted to introduce, maybe we want to take our friend to Jesus, or maybe we want to, we're having this moment, we're sharing with them. And it seems like in those moments, whether you're getting them to church, or you're finally getting them to maybe a group, or some kind of church setting, or maybe you're getting ready to share with them, and all of a sudden, maybe you're sitting on the couch, and their kids start being extra annoying. Your dog starts to bark out of control. You, you, you're getting them, they're, you're, they're, they say, yeah, I'm going to meet you at church, and all of a sudden, their car breaks down. They have a flat tire. Their kid gets sick. Sick. There's something happens. How I know for so many of us that has happened in our life, and we look and we go, okay, maybe it's just not that meant to be, or maybe the devil knows that if that life gets changed, lives around it would get changed, and he's attacking their tire. And you just need to keep going. You need to keep pressing. You see, these friends could have given up and said, you know what? We'll catch Jesus tomorrow. But there, you don't know if there's going to be a tomorrow for every single life. So these friends didn't say, we'll catch Jesus tomorrow. They say, we're going to catch him today. So how are we going to do it? You see, extraordinary love. Remember this. Love looks past the obstacles and sees the opportunity. That's what love does. It looks past the obstacles. There's always going to be obstacles. You look past those. There's always going to be things that are going to be uncomfortable. Maybe you're loving a friend. You're going, man, you're not living the right lifestyle. You're not doing the right things. You're, you're living a hot mess. You're, you, you know you're walking the wrong way. Love looks past all of that and sees the opportunity. Because extraordinary love is difficult. It's difficult. So these friends assess, assess the situation. They realize we can't get into the room And they start thinking outside of the box because love doesn't stop. Extraordinary extraordinary love thinks outside the box. And so what do they do? They look, and you know you have that one friend that most of us have that friend that is just radical. And they think of crazy things. Nothing is ever off limits to them. My wife is at a conference right now. 
And so she, she really admires Beth Moore. It's one of her, like, heroes in the faith, and she admires Beth Moore. And so I know that when we are on our family road trip, I know that my wife really loves her. Now, my wife is nothing like me. If I could meet a famous person or somebody I admire, I'd love to sit down and ask them three questions. It's what I do. I think of three questions. You're like, what would those questions be? I don't know because I'm just right now, but that's what I do. Whenever I'm meeting with somebody that's like a mentor or a leader, I think of three questions. I don't want to take up too much of their time, and that's what I do. So I'm like, maybe my wife would like to meet Beth more. So I emailed. I figured out what the last digits of like the email might be. Because if you know any kind of business, if you know the end, you can figure out the beginning. And so I emailed, emailed every single kind of beginning. Beth Moore at Living Proof, B Moore, Beth M, every single kind of thing. I, I don't even know. It was just a mass email shoot that I shot out. I'm like, hey, my wife, blah, 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 all this stuff. Well, I got an email back from her personal assistant. And she said, I'm so, you, you know, the first line was, you are a husband of the year. Yes, I am. <laughs> um, you are a husband of the year. She goes, Beth cannot. She can't meet with people. I'm guarding her schedule. She's in the middle of writing a book. But is there anything else we can do for your wife? And I said, well, actually, she would love to go to her conference in Tennessee. Can I get a free ticket? And they said, sure. So my wife is there because there was an obstacle and I said, no, I'm going to push past that. So that's what you do. That's what friends, that's what loved one, that's what you do. You look past all that. You don't let it. And so extraordinary love thinks outside the box. And that's what I did for my wife. And so you, they had, so this guy, this paralyzed man, he had this friend who thought, what if we go through the roof? And all the friends like, what the? No, he's like, hear me out, hear me out. You know your roof is only made of like some mud and some branches and stuff like that, yeah? He goes, so what if we dig a hole? And their friends are like, I don't have a shovel. He goes like, I'll go buy a shovel. Well, we don't have any rope. And the other friend's like, I, I could buy rope. And the paralytic man is trying to come up with every single reason why it won't work. You'll drop me. How much more hurt can you get other than dead? You know they're all saying these kind of things. You know that conversation is going on right now, okay? Can you picture this? You know you have those radical friends, and once you get one person to start thinking crazy, the whole group starts thinking crazy, you really only have like that one negative Nancy that's like, oh, I don't want to do it, and they're scared. You have that one person. But then you can convince them a lot of time to come along, then they'll go down the roller coaster with you, and then they'll hate you for the rest of your life, but maybe not. And so that's this group. So you got four friends that are going to carry you. Got the one guy, and I don't know if he's being negative. I'm just trying to put myself because I've never been in this exact situation. So they get up to the roof. They carry their friend. The one friend thinks outside the box. They carry him up there. And you know he's scared. You know he's like, guys, you're going to drop me. And they're like, it's going to be okay. We're not going to drop you. And you know that it's four dudes. So you know. You know as they went. It's like, whoa, whoa. You know that. You know that's happening. It's four guys carrying their friend. You know they're messing around because that's what guys do. You just, you got to think. It wasn't this holy moment where like they're carrying him like this music is like, oh, and the clouds are opening and all of a sudden the guy starts to float and it makes it so much easier. That's not it. The guy's probably bigger and they're like, this is heavy because you have picked a lighter pallet. And so they're going up there. They finally get up there. And then they, they, all of a sudden, they start digging through the roof. You see, extraordinary love, it isn't just difficult. 
And it doesn't just look past. It doesn't just look outside the box. But extraordinary love, it's costly. It's costly. You see, when they made that decision to dig through that roof, they had to decide who's buying the rope, who's buying the shovel, and who's paying to fix it when it's done. And is our friend worth it? You see, when they started digging in that roof, those roofs in those days were about two feet thick of mud, branches, thistles, and all those palm branches, all that kind of stuff. That, that's what a roof was made out of. So it'd be, it would be easy and totally able to be dig, dug through all of that. And you know as they're doing it, you know the owner of the home is right there at the feet of Jesus because that's where he would be. And all of a sudden they start feel, feeling dirt falling on them. So you can picture the crowd below. People wondering, people yelling. You know you've got people yelling at them. Because the obstacles don't stop when you're bringing somebody to Jesus. They don't stop. They don't ever stop. And so they dig through, and then all of a sudden, they start to lower him. You know, extraordinary love, it's costly. It's costly. It costs them to fix it. It costs them to buy the equipment. It costs them their energy. What about you? What is love asking of you today? What's love asking of you? What are you doing with your time? And is it time well spent? Man, we, we spin our wheels and we're spending our time on so many things. The biggest, what's probably the, when you ask anybody how they're doing, what's the most common um, statement back or, or response? What do you think the most common response is when you ask anybody how they're doing? What is it? I'm busy. We're all busy. That doesn't ever change. But are we busy with the things that are worth it? What are you doing in your serving? Are you keeping your time or giving it? It costs these four friends their strength. It costs them their energy. It costs them financially. It was costly. And they lowered him in. Because that's what extraordinary love does. And then all of a sudden it says, and as Jesus, and it says, and Jesus seeing, the verse 5, and Jesus seeing their face said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and, re and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus' awareness spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, the paralytic to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, pick up your pallet, and walk, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. 
And he got up and immediately picked up his pallet and went out into, into the sight of everyone so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, we have, have never seen anything like this. And he went out again by the seashore, and all the people were coming to him, and he was teaching them. You see, extraordinary love, it cares for a person's soul. In the end, that's what love cares about. How are you? How's your soul? You see, Jesus could easily have said, hey, guys, hey, guys, 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 you don't need to lower him. Hey, dude, you're healed. Get up, walk down the stairs. Everybody let him back in. Jesus could have done that, couldn't he have? He, he didn't, the guy didn't need to be in front of Jesus. Jesus could easily have just yelled out the door, hey, guys, there's a crippled man. He's right outside the door. I can see. You can't see him because your backs are to him, but I can see him. Hey, tell him he's, he's healed. Jesus could have done that. But the thing is, many scholars believe that this man's illness, this man's sickness, wasn't just something physical, but it was something spiritual that kept him on that pallet. And how many of us have ever been held by something spiritual that had kept us crippled? That have kept us unable to do things? whether it's a mental thing, maybe it's something that was done to us and it attacks us, it tells you why you can't, it tells you why you can't. And I know there are some, there are, I know of course there are things where it's physical. But I was reading studies this week about this one research according to an article by the Mental Health, of, and found, my mental health Foundation said research shows that people with a mental health problem are more likely to have a preventable, preventable physical health conditions such as heart disease, as well as this mental health problem can come with physical symptoms. Our bodies and our minds are not separate, so it is not surprising that mental ill health can affect our body. Depression can come with headaches, fatigue, digestive problems, anxiety can create an upset stomach, for example. Other symptoms can include insomnia, restlessness, and difficulty to concentrate. Another study by Dr. Dan Brenneman said, your mental health plays a huge role in your general well-being. Being in a good mental state can keep you healthy and help prevent serious health conditions. A study found that positive psychological well-being can reduce the risks of heart attacks and strokes. On the other hand, poor mental health can lead to poor physical health and harmful behavior. You see, when this man was lowered, Jesus realized there was more going on than just his physical ailments. He realized his soul was hurt. He realized his soul was damaged. He realized his soul was sick. And so that's why Jesus, in his extraordinary love, it looked past everything else and went straight to the soul. And he said, your sins are forgiven. Because if Jesus would have just sent this man out and healed him, this man would have walked and been continued to be sick, continued to be ill, and would have had more coming on in his life, and he would not have ever been better. And for so many of us, it's the same. For so many of us, it's the same, where Jesus says, I want to heal you from the inside out. You see, Jesus wants to be this kind of love for us. A love like that father in that video. 
that comes alongside us, that helps us, that, that is there for us, that is helping us get to the end of the line, that is helping us get to the finish line. It was never meant to be run alone. It's always meant to be run with him and with others. And Jesus, it says in, Mark chap- or in Matthew chapter 9, verse 2, the same story. And it says, some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat, and Jesus, seeing their faith, he said to him, be encouraged. You see, Jesus knew that this man needed so much more than physical healing. And Jesus knows the same for us. We need so much more than just a physical healing. We need that touch inside our soul. Every single day, we need that refreshing. Yesterday, I was, or was last night, I'm doing laundry. Larry's out of town, and I have three boys, okay? How they can have three loads of laundry by themselves, I don't know but they, they can accomplish much. So I'm, I'm doing, just doing the laundry, and, and I'm like, you know what? I, I'm going to do as much as I can, so I'm reading the Bible. And you know those moments where you just feel like you have been away from God for a long time? There's a pastor I can get there too. Or I'm reading the Bible, but it's like I haven't been with the Lord in a long time. And last night I was sitting, and I'm reading Isaiah. I'm going through the Bible in a year, and Isaiah's where I'm at. I'm actually behind right now, so I'm doing the catch-up. So I read a lot yesterday. And I'm reading. And it's like, and I'm not reading anything. I mean, to be honest, it's about destruction and how all this bad God's going to bring. Like, he's gonna, there's consequences for your sin. And it's like, I'm reading this, and, and I, just, I just start to weep. Because I realized my soul had been dry. And I'm a crier. So is Jesus, so get off me. <clears throat> if you don't know me, my name is Jeremiah. I'm the lead pastor, and yes, I cry. And I'm reading through Isaiah. And I come to Isaiah chapter 12. says, then you will say on that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for although you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comforted me. Behold, God is my salvation and I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. Therefore, you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. And in that day, you will say, and God said, Jeremiah, remember, City View Church will never be what I planned for it if, you, if I am not made famous, if I am not the center, and if I am not the one to be glorified. Not that I ever push myself, but I can, I can distract myself and I mean, that's why you'll see on our Facebook, it's rarely ever will we ever, or Instagram, I rarely ever will we quote me. Rarely ever will you see me preaching, like a picture of me holding the Bible and standing and doing some really cool pose. You won't see that because I don't want a church ever revolving around me. You'll, you'll know, if you ever look, you probably never notice that. But if you start looking at other, I don't know, but. And then God Verse 4, God said, it is to give thanks to the Lord 
Call on his, on his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Make them remember that his name is exalted. And God said, Jeremiah, remember, that is what City View is all about. It's about making me known. It's about making me famous. It's never about you. Not that I, I who knows? It was a moment of me being broken, of my soul needing to be healed, and God saying, Jeremiah, you need a soul check. So last night at 11.30, it's what I did. And Jesus so gently is that friend whose extraordinary love is difficult. It pushes past everything I set up. Jesus, is his extraordinary love, thinks outside the box. So outside the box that when he was thinking, how do I save the world? He thought, I am going to send my son. And God sent Jesus to die on a cross so outside the box. No other religion would do such a thing, but Jesus says, God, I'll do it. God's extraordinary love thought outside the box and had his son die. God's extraordinary love was costly. It cost him everything. Everything he had, he did it for you. And God's extraordinary love was all about healing your soul. Healing the brokenness between us and him. Because love looks past the obstacles and sees the opportunities. Jesus' love looks past the obstacles, sees the opportunities. And that's his love for you. So my question for you is, who's in your circle? Who's carrying you to Jesus? I ask you, who are you carrying to Jesus? And When's the last time you did a soul check? Lord, thank you for your gentleness, your love, and your patience with each and every one of us. Thank you, God, that we, even though we're broken, we are just like this paralyzed man. We come to you with broken souls, broken spirits, needing to be healed. And Jesus, you came down, you pushed past the difficult. Jesus, you came down. You thought outside the box. Jesus, you came down and you paid the price. And Jesus, you came down to heal our soul. Because Jesus, your love is extraordinary. So Lord, I ask right now that if we need a soul check, which I know we all do, whether we're willing to admit it or not, check it, Lord. Check us, heal us, and bring us closer to you. If there's anybody in here this morning that you have never given your life to Jesus, you've never said, you know what, I believe in Jesus, I want to believe in Jesus, I want to follow him with my life, I I I need to get rid of this baggage that I'm carrying, I want to pursue him, I just don't know how. If that's you, And you need not just a soul check, but you need a soul revival. You need a soul change. You need your soul given life again because it's dead. If that's you, 
I see you pray with me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. God, thank you for sending your son for me. I ask that you'd forgive me. Set me free. And help me to live for you now. Jesus, thank you so much for being faithful. Amen. Did you decide to follow Jesus while listening to this podcast today? We want to celebrate with you and help you with your next steps. Click the link in the podcast description to get connected with a pastor and your next step. If you want to learn more about what's going on at City View, download our City View app through the App Store or the Google Play Store. You can find everything from special events, outreach opportunities, and additional resources all in one centralized location. Links are in the description below. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the City View app on the App Store.